Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Wednesday, June the 15th, 2022, in the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, it's going to be a great show today. In fact, we have a great and wonderful topic to cover in the guest segment coming up at 35 past the hour. We're going to talk about the priesthood today, but from the perspective of the mom of the priest. In fact, uh, there is a wonderful woman, a local here to where we are, listens to the show uh, she is the mother of two Catholic priests. And we thought, how incredible would it be to get Leticia Ramirez on the program? Her second son was just ordained. And uh, and really uh, try to understand this call to the priesthood from mom's perspective. So that's coming up at 35 past the hour. At the top of the next hour, if you can join us for that, Rhonda Grunwald was going to be our guest and uh, she's going to be talking about the state of vocations in the country. So all of that today on the program but some big news, I mean, coming out, you know, there's uh, several races at stake, political races at stake across the country. Well, this morning we're waking up to uh, a huge first. I mean, the first in like 150 years. Republican Myra Flores in the Rio, in the Rio Grande Valley area, she has now won the seat to the House It's the first time in 150 years. She's not only the, uh, the first to uh, have a, be a GOP sent to the House from that part of Texas in 150 years. But she's also the first woman, congresswoman, born in Mexico now. So it's kind of a big deal, and it's reverberating around the country. Is this a sign of the times? Is November going to be a bloodbath? I don't know. We'll keep you up to date on all of that. But stocks fell Tuesday for the fifth day straight. The economy is not doing very well, in spite of what comes out of the White House press releases. And then uh, there was another report out, talking about reports. 196 clerics in the German Catholic Diocese of Munster have been accused of sexually abusing minors since 1945. As of 2019, another report, uh, about 1.2 million Americans now live in Mexico. And apparently uh, they're fleeing by the thousands from California to Mexico in a reverse migration because apparently the crime is better down there. It's like not as bad and the economy is not as bad. Let that sink in. So all of that and much more today on the program. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Uh, from a bunker, I'm a, tempted to go to Mexico now. A, a secret bunker, someplace in far west Texas. <laughs> uh, Rudy Carlos is not in studio today. Here I am. I'm a bit sick under the weather, which is uh, perfect timing, by the way, for is vacation. It? Because uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't I get sick right before a vacation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you're feeling all right. Praise be to God. And you didn't touch my keyboard while I was away, right? Like you didn't. Like you didn't. I didn't touch it. No, okay. I just licked it. Oh, my keyboard. Like yeah, on, like on purpose or? Don't, yeah, don't touch your eyes. Don't touch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, except time to torch the keyboard. Speaking of torching, <laughs> we're going, we are going to talk about the firebombing at uh, pro-life pregnancy clinics, uh, clinics centers all over the country. I'm going to catch you up on the list of that coming up uh, at 15 past the hour. And the United States Army celebrating its 247th birthday. Uh, so happy birthday, Army. Happy birthday. 
Um, I'm so sorry you didn't discover the Marine Corps existed prior to your enlistment, but <laughs> hey, listen, we all can't be winners. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. My whole family's Army. I'm the only Marine in the family. Hey, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. I'm not sick. And uh, so that that means it's good. It's a good day. Not yet. It's a good not day. yet. Once I have uh, <laughs> I have touched all the keyboards today. So Did you? you? Know, we will see what ends up happening over the next couple of days. Though I tell you what, though, mm-hmm. yesterday we had a basketball game with the priest at church, and my back is killing me from playing. I think I'm. I think I might finally be getting old. <laughs> I, think, I think it's happening i i'm feeling the effects i woke up this morning and i was like oh man my back hurts yeah what is going on mm. oh yeah so, cry, cry me a river you go. cry me a river I, i'm i'm I so bad i might you. feel it's, it it's, okay how's the hairline i'm just curious is that is it don't don't worry about that <laughs> i am i got plenty of hair <laughs> okay well then come talk to me when your hair starts receding nah okay. nah i just shave my head off when that happens uh well We shall see soon enough. Praise be to God. All right, we're going to jump into it. We do have a great hour lined up for you today. Lots of uh, stories in the news to talk about and what's concerning us coming up 15 past. And then, of course, as I said, we're going to talk about uh, the priesthood from the mom's perspective. Uh, Miss Leticia Ramirez is going to be our guest, and it's going to be a great conversation. She has uh, two sons who are, are priests, and apparently she has a brother who's a bishop. It's kind of a big deal. So she's a, she's a real powerhouse in the Catholic Church. And all of that coming up at 35 past. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has had recourse to thy sacred heart, implored its help, or sought its mercy was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, we present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sins, In our misery, O sacred heart of Jesus, despise not our simple prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, June 15th, and here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports Sri Lanka gives public workers extra day off to grow food. Sri Lanka has approved a four-day work week for public sector workers to help them cope with chronic fuel shortages and encourage them to grow food as it struggles with its worst financial crisis in decades. Currency depreciation, rising global commodity prices, and a now-reversed policy to ban chemical fertilizer pushed food inflation to 57% in April. Breitbart News reports, fourth-generation farmer, high-cost prices now, shortages coming. Farmers and truckers are feeling the pinch from high costs of diesel fuel and fertilizer, and you have a certain region in the world that's not planting crops at this time in Ukraine, so that's going to be a shortage of wheat and commodities that they've been producing there as well, said Boyd Jr., who is president of the National Black Farmers Association. For so long, we've enjoyed food, lots of food in this country, so we've never ever faced a food shortage, and I think that's coming in the next coming months. Boyd said in an interview. The Epic Times reports a disarmed individual will be a subject, not a citizen, according to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. History has shown that these laws will put Americans on the path to losing the right to bear arms and people becoming subservient to the government and its tyranny, said Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on the topic of gun control. He continues, every single instance where the government, totalitarian, tyrannical governments have removed private gun ownership, 
What did they end up doing? They turned citizens into subjects, West continued. He noted that Canada's progressive government has now just tightened the buying of firearms, and he fears the United States will follow that example. And the Daily Wire reports Biden administration to discipline Border Patrol agents who were cleared of wrongdoing in so-called whipping incident. The DHS is preparing to discipline multiple horseback Border Patrol agents who were accused of whipping Haitian migrants in Del Rio last summer. It's unclear what administrative violations the Border Patrol agents will be accused of, but they are not being accused of any criminal conduct. The horseback unit involved is based out of Carrizo Springs, Texas. Now, the agents have been taken off their normal duties and have not been allowed to have contact with migrants since. President Biden assured the public at the time that there will be consequences for the agents involved. However, the photographer, whose photos of the agents went viral late last year, said in an interview that he never saw the agents whip anyone. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Germana Cousin. She was born in 1579. From her birth, she seemed marked out for suffering. She came to the world with a deformed hand and the disease of scrofola. And while yet an infant, she lost her mother. Her father soon married again, but his second wife treated Germine, Germana with much cruelty. Under pretense of saving the other children from the contagion of scrofola, she persuaded the father to keep Germana away from the, ho the homestead. And thus the child was employed almost from infancy as a shepherdess. When she returned at night, her bed was in the stable or on a litter of vine branches in a garret. In this hard school, Germana learned early to practice humility and patience. She was gifted with a marvelous sense of the presence of God and of spiritual things, so that her lonely life became to her a source of light and blessing. Her love for Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and for his virgin mother presaged the saint. She assisted daily at the Holy Sacrifice, and when the bell rang, she fixed her sheep hook or distaff on the ground and left her flocks to the care of Providence while she heard Mass. Although the pastor's was on the border of a forest infested with wolves. No harm ever came to her flocks. She is said to have practiced many austerities as reparation for the sacrileges perpetuated by heretics in the neighboring churches. She frequented the sacraments of penance and the Holy Eucharist, and it was observed that her piety increased on the approach of every feast of the Virgin Mary. The villagers are said to have inclined at first to treat her piety with mild derision until certain signs of God's signal favor made her an object of reverence and awe. The ford in winter after heavy rains or the melting of snow was at times impassable. On several occasions the swollen waters were seen to open and afford her a passage without wetting her garments. Notwithstanding her poverty she found means to help the poor by sharing with them her allowance of bread. According to one story, one day in winter when she had been chased by her stepmother who accused her of stealing bread, she opened her apron and fresh summer flowers fell out. She offered the flowers to her stepmother as a sign of forgiveness. Her father at last came to a sense of his duty and forbade her stepmother henceforth to treat her harshly and wished to give her a place in the home with her other children. But Germana begged to be allowed to remain in the humbler position. At this point, when men were beginning to realize the beauty of her life, she died. 
One morning in the early summer of 1601, her father found that she had not risen at the usual hour and went to call her. Finding her dead on her pallet of vine twigs, she was 22 years old at the time. She died in 1601. Saint Germana Cousin, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 18. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that others may see them. Amen. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to others to be fasting except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I liked the commentary from the fathers on hypocrites and the origin of this word and the name hypocrite. Uh, Isidore uh, is preached, St. Isidore preached on this. He says, quote, The name hypocrite is derived from the appearance of those who in the shows are disguised in masks, voraciously colored according to to the character that they represent, sometimes male, sometimes female, to impose on the spectators while they act in the games. And I liked that. That was Isidore, by the way. I liked that because it sort of intimated that they were trying to be both male and female. Augustine goes on to say on this topic, quote, As then the hypocrites, a word meaning one who feigns as personating the characters of other men, act parts which are not naturally their own. In other words, female. For he who personates uh, is not really, but feigns to be so. So likewise in the churches, whoever in his whole conduct desires to seem what he is not is a hypocrite. He feigns himself righteous and is not really so, seeing his only motive is the praise of men. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, 
We used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well, then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there is an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk about the priesthood, the calling to the priesthood, uh, what it's like to live in the priesthood, but from the mother's perspective, Leticia Ramirez is going to be our guest, and she has uh, two sons who are now Catholic priests and a brother who is bishop, so she has some insight into this, and it's going to be fascinating. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you. No, I am not talking about Christina Aguilar's costume at the Pride thing. That is horrific and, and ugly, and it boggles the mind how any parent could ever bring children to those things, but they do nonetheless. Let's pray for those uh, souls for deep conversion, because it's greatly needed. But let's talk about the pending Supreme Court hearing that uh, it could come down today. It, it might. It's possible. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but if it does, I think uh, we're going to see some violence, increased violence. So far, according to a Breitbart report, 23 pro-life organizations vandalized, firebombed by pro-abortion activists in recent weeks. Let me just give you this list. This is, uh, this is a wake-up call, I think, for America. We need to decide who are we, what do we stand for, and what do we believe. Because there is a civil war in America right now for the soul of our country. Here's the list of 23 pro-life organizations that have been vandalized since the leak doc document that came out. Number one, Hollywood, Florida. Uh, this was a South Broward Pregnancy Center and Archdiocese of Miami Respect Life Ministry. Number two, Asheville, North Carolina, Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. Number three, Manassas, Virginia, First Care Women's Health. Number four, Alexandria, Virginia, Concerned Women for America. Uh, number five, Risertown, Maryland, Alpha Pregnancy Center. Number six, Frederick, Maryland, Birthright of Frederick. Number seven, Frederick, Maryland, CareNet Frederick. Risentown, Maryland, Alpha Pregnancy Center again. That was number eight. Number nine, Buffalo, New York, our friends from the Station of the Cross there. Uh, Compass Care Pregnancy Services. Number 10, Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin Family Action was hit. Number 11, Des Moines, Iowa, Agape Pregnancy Resource Center. Number 12, Denton, Texas, not that far from us really. Uh, Women to Women Pregnancy Resource Center was hit. Number 13, Austin, Texas, was hit at the Trotter House. Number 14, Long Beach, California. That's Rudy's old stomping ground. Uh, his nesting place home for mothers and children was hit. Number 15, Sebastopol, California. I don't even know if that's... Is that the right way to say that, Rudy? Sebastopol? That sounds like a Ukrainian town, no? Sebastopol, California. 
Uh, Sevastopol. Yeah, Pregnancy Center Billboard was hit there. Uh, number 16, Eugene, Oregon, Dove Medical Clinic was hit. Number 17, Kaiser, Oregon, Oregon Right to Life was hit. Number 18, uh, Gresham, Oregon, Gresham Pregnancy Resource Center. Number 19, Portland, Oregon, Southeast Portland Pregnancy Resource Center was hit. Number 20, Vancouver, Washington, Options 360 Women's Clinic was hit. Number 21, Federal Way, Washington, CareNet Pregnancy and Family Services of Puget Sound was hit. And coming in at number 22, Linwood, Washington, Next Step Pregnancy Services was hit. And then, of course, over this past weekend, Buffalo was hit as well again. So that, uh, that's a very concerning trend, would you say? But wait, there's more. There is more. In fact, Catholic Vote put out, uh, they have a map that they're keeping of all the churches that have been attacked. And here's a little quote from the article I saw this morning on it. It said, quote, Since 2020, there have been at least 140 attacks against Catholic churches in the United States, including thefts of sacred tabernacles, fires, which severely damaged historic churches, spray painting and graffiti, windows smashed, and statues destroyed, often with heads cut off. Catholic Vote reported, crucially, while some of the attacks have included thefts, most have only involved property destruction, indicating that the motive is not primarily material gain. Close quote. That's from Catholic Vote. And I'm looking at this map right now. It's an interactive Google map, so you can like click on the little icons. And they've got them all over the country. There's even one way out in, in, in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. You know, So we're seeing this of course, in our own backyard, we've had several attacks just here, not that far from the studio. We, we all remember the story of St. Bartholomew and the tabernacle that was stolen, found empty outside of a Burger King. As far as I know, Adrian, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have never recovered the actual tabernacle. No, we have not. In fact, the tabernacle, which is actually less important, the more concerning thing is because we found the person, person was allegedly arrested who originally stole the tabernacle the first time and the and we don't know what happened to the eucharist that's what's concerning to me is we do not know what they did with our lord and the second time it was stolen there was a misconception which i guess should be clarified is that it was not stolen the second time from the same church it was stolen from the burger king yeah. the person who found it yeah. left it there and they got and it got picked up by someone else the, hey. the person who found it had to go pick up their kids you know, and the second person who picked it up might not have committed a crime. They saw an abandoned yeah, golden box right. sitting next to a Burger King. It probably was a crime of opportunity rather than anything else. Right. Yeah, and then, of course, there was sacrilege actually committed at St. Elizabeth and Seton, right, uh, right down the street from us. Not that far away, really. And there was graffiti at Holy Rosary. We spoke to the pastor there. But, uh, you know, our city is not the only one. They're all over the country. When you're looking at this map, you see all of these little icons all over the country. California has a bunch. Of course, New York and uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Maryland has been hit quite a bit. Uh, even up into Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Connecticut, Maine has some uh, some targets there. Uh, but Ohio as well, I mean, uh, Michigan, Indianapolis. I mean, it's just all over this country, we're seeing a trend of increased violence, increased debauchery, increased depravity. You know, and yesterday I was uh, listening to uh, an interview with a journalist who, 
who was detailing war crimes in the beloved SEAL community over the past 20 years. You know, the Navy SEALs have earned a great reputation over the past 20 years for being America's warriors, but there's also been quite a bit of difficulty in that community as well. And I think it's a growing trend about our world as a whole. Where are we at? What do we live for? What is our purpose in this life? As society becomes more and more secular, we've talked about this a number of times on this show, as society becomes more and more secular, we lose our moral compass. And I think we're seeing that in front of us. But at the same time, I don't want to always be the Debbie Downer in the room because there is hope. I mean, I think that this breaking news this morning that uh, this Republican, uh, Myra Flores, wins U.S. House seat in South Texas is an indicator that most of Americans are realizing that this compass that they should have. This is called our conscience. St. Paul speaks about it. It's written, the law of God is written on every person's heart. We should know that this society that we're living in is not headed in a good direction. It's not just about the economy. It's not just about uh, public policies. It's more. And I think this is an indicator that Americans are waking up to, you know what, we do not want these depravities in our community. Yesterday, our guest, Erin Lee, shared her heart-wrenching story of how her daughter was groomed, targeted and groomed in a school, in a public school. America is waking up to this is not good. This is not where we want to be. And this is not where we should be uh, tolerating these, these types of things. And I, I think that's hope for me. Now, I couple that hope with also, I think a lot more Catholics are waking up to, we have been given a task to convert the whole world out of love for God and for charity for souls. And I think that there is a movement within the Catholic faith to greater fidelity, to, great, uh, to a, a greater sense of piety, and a greater sense of urgency to evangelize the world. And if we don't wake up to this, we are going to see, see much more troubled days ahead than we have behind. And I wish it was not just the economy. I wish it wasn't $5 a gallon gas that would wake America up, to be honest with you, because that's just a material thing. I wish it wasn't the endless amounts of uh, LGBTQ agenda that's being crammed down our throats from all angles, media, entertainment, public policy, the school libraries, the after-school programs, and all the rest. In fact, in Austin, there was a report this morning, I think it was Catholic Vote that put it out, that there was a Catholic agency that, that, that sponsored one of these um, uh, coming out like uh, parties types of events out there. Like, this is this is uncalled for this is atrocious this is sacrilegious we should not be participating in this because it lacks charity for souls because as saint paul would say in romans chapter one when we give up the natural for the unnatural we are turning our back towards god and we all know because it's written on our heart what we should and should not do in this regard we know what we are doing and we are choosing to do it anyway and so i, I see all of the negativity in the world and i was praying last night Lord, please give me a sense of something good in a world full of negativity. And I got to tell you, that story on the Navy SEALs was very diabolical. Not the origin of the person who wrote it, but the actual the war crimes that were committed. It was very gut-wrenching to go through. As someone who served in the Marine Corps, as someone who's followed uh, the community, the Navy SEALs, uh, for many years now, uh, I, it was gut-wrenching to, to go through that material. But it's just an indicator of where we're at as a people. 
It's just one more symptom of a greater problem. And I prayed last night, Lord, send me something that's, that's positive. Send me something that's hopeful, that's good. And I got to tell you, I am seeing average, ordinary people who are middle of the road, who aren't, uh, you know, fervent, zealous Catholics, who aren't uh, fervent, zealous Christians. They are just getting sick and tired of the state of affairs, and they know inherently they need and want and desire something better. Maybe they don't know quite what that is or why they should want it, but they're growing in that direction. And I, I found that in the conversation we had yesterday with our guest, Aaron Lee, and I found that this morning with Americans just saying, you know what? We can't play this game anymore. We can't do this. And there is, uh, there's always something we can do. And I'll say this as I've said it a thousand times already so far this, uh, this, uh, on this show. We're not going to just vote in the reign of Mary in the next election. You, you need to vote. It is part of your duty as a Catholic to, to participate in civil society. And you should do so from a Catholic perspective, from an informed conscience. However, let us be clear, whoever we vote for it has a fallen nature, and they are not going to be perfect, and they aren't going to make perfect decisions, and we certainly aren't going to see a massive turnaround in society just simply because we have exercised our due diligence and our civil obligation to vote. We have to do it, but it won't change the world. Unless I'm elected king. Unless Adrian Fonseca is elected a holy monarch. Oh, wait, hold on, wait, hold on, so wait, so true. stop, stop. Adrian Fonseca, uh, if you can run for king, I shall vote for you. How about that? Thank you. Thank there's you. at least it's, one. It's not quite how it works, but yes. There's, there's at least. Think, thank you for your support. There's at least one. The, the, what will change? What can we do? Live in a state of grace. Seek holiness and greater piety, fidelity to Holy Mother Church. Grow closer to your relationship to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And then try to share that love and joy with the whole world. That is your calling, that is your vocation, that is your purpose in this world. And God and the Holy Ghost and, and His Son, uh, our Savior Jesus, will leverage you for the conversion of countless souls. That's what you can do, and you should do that today. We'll be right back. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Daily Wire reports Republican Myra Flores wins U.S. House seat in South Texas. It's the first GOP win there in 150 years. Republican Myra Flores has flipped a U.S. House seat in deep blue South Texas in what is likely an indicator of the coming red tsunami that could hit the Democrat Party this fall during the midterm elections. The region has been devastated by President Biden's border crisis, something that has turned off many Hispanic voters that typically have voted Democrat in the past. Axios reports Redfin laying off 8% of its staff. A real estate company, Redfin, announced on Tuesday that it will lay off about 8% of its staff amid a downturn in the housing market. The booming housing market started cooling this spring, evidenced by increased supply of homes, a declining pool of buyers, and rising mortgage rates. Redfin saw a demand come in at 17% below expectations in May, and the company doesn't have enough work for their agents and support staff, later adding that the layoffs were a result of revenue shortfalls. And in case you missed it, this is from Breitbart News. 23 pro-life organizations vandalized or firebombed by pro-abortion activists in recent weeks. That's the most recent number, 23. Life News reports pro-life Spider-Man climbs highest skyscraper in Oklahoma to protest abortion. A stuntman known as the pro-life Spider-Man has been drawing attention to abortion violence against unborn babies by free climbing some of the tallest buildings in the country. Last month, he says, I began climbing skyscrapers to protest Dr. Cesare Santangelo and his involvement in the abortions of five late-term babies in Washington, D.C., he said on his website. Within one week, I scaled three towers in three cities across the country. My goal has been to raise awareness about the injustice of abortion. He wrote on his website, ProLifeSpiderMan.com. Through the stunts, he said he hopes to raise $1 million for pro-life charities and inspire other young adults to speak out against abortion. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Miss Leticia Ramirez. Good morning to you. How are you? You're gonna need to unmute yourself there on the on the Zoom. <laughs> the okay. Zoom gets you every time. The whole mute thing. Uh, I know. Good morning to you. Thanks for being on the program with us. Good morning. Praise Good be morning. to God. It's uh, it's a joy to have you on. Uh, so let me just give you your your credentials here. Okay. So uh, an expert on the subject of the priesthood, I would argue. She is the mother of two Catholic priests. Praise be to God, and the sister of a bishop. So pretty much makes you an expert uh, on the subject. And you know, we wanted to talk about. The, the call to the priesthood, and I thought it would be so fascinating to get that from the mother's perspective. So just out of the gate, congratulations to you. One of your, your, one of your sons was just ordained to the priesthood, praise be to God. Uh, unfortunately, he will no longer be playing against his brother in the priest versus seminary basketball game, but okay, we move on. Uh, what is it like for you to be the mother of two Catholic priests? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think it's a... a Kind of a daily thing that I'm experiencing, um, a true joy, definitely, but also a big responsibility of being a more prayerful woman, mm. <laughs> a more prayerful Catholic woman. Um, I think I've always been, but now more so. I feel like I'm going to be spending a lot more time on my knees, <laughs> <laughs> praying for their holiness, uh, and of course, you know, for my for for my marriage as well, to be a good example. Yeah. You know, my husband and I talk about that all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're parents of, of a priest. Uh, um, we have to be 
mindful, you know, that people look to us. And so it's, it's a big responsibility as well. Yeah, I imagine the pressure's on, right? <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. like, you feel like you're under a microscope a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, let's, if you don't mind, I'd love to know about your sons growing up and uh, how, what the, how the faith played a role in your life and in your marriage and in your home, especially as they were little boys. Can you speak to that? Sure, sure. Well, I think um, that I have to go back a little bit to my own childhood because that influenced how we brought up our children, and that is that, well, one, uh, prayer was a big part of my family growing up, of both mine and my husband's, and so that was definitely a, uh, very important as parents to always pray with our children and to instill in them the love for our faith, for our Catholic faith. Um, um, so encouraging them to pray with us and also to pray on their own. So, you know, we try to instill that. Um, I know they both tell stories about how um, they realized how important it was that we always go to Mass on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And even when we were out of town, they, one of my sons was told, tells a story in his homilies about how my mom had to go look for the phone book and find the church in the little town that we were visiting because we have to go to mass on Sunday, even though we're on vacation. What's a phone book? So, I'm just curious. What's a, what's yeah, a phone you know what a phone book is? <laughs> I remember what a phone book is. I don't yeah. know what Adrian does. Yeah, yeah. Phone so um, definitely, I think growing up for them, um, they grew up understanding, knowing how important our Catholic faith was in, in a prayer life. Uh, sacramental life, you know, mm. making sure that they receive the sacraments, making their first communion, always uh, learning about our faith, whether it was at home being catechized or through our faith formation programs in our parish, uh, and us also being involved in our parish as a family. So it was a big part of our family. And also um, just being friends with priests and religious, inviting them over for dinner, uh, just where they see the, the beauty in the priesthood and in religious life. So. And correct me that's if I'm a, wrong, your, your a brother great, uh, is that's a... That's a great point there. I just want to jump in there. Um, you know, having the, the priest come over into the house and, and seeing the kids being able to see them and, and all of this, that must have been really important to them. But did you have any conversations about, uh, you know, maybe encouraging them to think about priesthood? Or what, what was that like? Uh, I did not encourage them to be priests, but I did encourage my children. I have three children, also have a daughter, and I always said um, that they needed to be praying about their vocation. And I said, God calls us all to holiness in some way. And I said, and for you as a boy, then it would be either priesthood or as a married man, to be a father in some manner. And... Uh, they, they both were pretty sure they, they wanted to get married and have lots of children. That was what they always said to me. And I said, okay, well, you know, we will see. So have you prayed about that? <laughs> so I was always encouraging them to pray about their vocation and to ask God to guide them and, and to discern. You know, whenever I, I found out recently that your, your brother was a bishop and I had no idea and I, what did he play a role in the vocation of your of your sons, and and how did that end up happening? Oh, um, 
I think indirectly it, do, it did, just because growing up, uh, you know, he was a priest here in, in the Houston area, and uh, whatever parish he was assigned to, he would invite the whole family. I'm the oldest of eight children, wow. and he's the fifth one in our family. So whatever parish he was at, he, he would invite us over for pizza on the weekends, and so all the nieces and nephews would come over. So they grew up being around a priest in the family. Um, so I'm sure that they they developed, you know, this great respect and love for the priesthood mm. in that sense. Um, so, yeah. Were they altar servers? Yes, they were altar servers. So that all probably also had a big effect, uh, being so yes. close in uh, in participating in the in the liturgy. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes. at what point in their lives uh, did they communicate? Hey, they thought they might have had a call. Well, for both of them, now that I, you know, over the years, their their uh, vocation story unfolds. You know, it's like I feel like I know everything about their <laughs> vocation story, and then they they reveal more things to me about things in their life that happened. But it seems that up until college, they both were pretty sure they wanted to get married. But it was around the college age, uh, just the experiences they had. They both went to Texas Tech, and they were very uh, involved at the their um, parish there in Lubbock. And so uh, there were priests there that had a, a great influence on them. And it was about that time when they both began to get the call um, to the priesthood in different ways. But it was very interesting that it happened about that time. But around the same them. time for both of them. Yes. And what was your initial feeling when they communicated that to you? Joy. <laughs> uh, joy and uh, I'm going to be praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> did you i mean i imagine uh, i just dropped my daughter off at a convent in in alabama for a weekend to discern that and you know and i had i had mixed feelings i would argue I, joy was definitely among my feelings and there was other feelings of like uh, i you know golly gee whiz this this feels this feels big it's you know it's like as a parent I felt a little bit of uh, anxiety in that but still great joy and i wondered if you might have experienced the same thing Sure, sure. I mean, it, the anxiety, I think, is, you know, you know that um, it's a long discernment. You know, if they go in the seminary, it's a long road <laughs> yeah. of uh, discerning. And, you know, you, ultimately, I think as parents, we want, well, one, we want our children to go to heaven. That's Amen. our first goal. We want them to be happy and the way they're going to live their live out their Catholic faith, too, to, to have joy in their life. And you just pray that you know, that they listen to God's call and that they are sure that this is what he wants and that they be open. Yeah, amen. Um, Hold that thought. Leticia Ramirez is our guest. She is the mother of two Catholic priests, praise be to God, and the sister of a bishop. And we're talking to her about the priesthood from the mom's perspective. A very good insight, I would say. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of this very quick break. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should churches have a structure of hierarchy? Your average non-Catholic evangelical church would say, no, not needed. Why? Each church or denomination should be autonomous and choose their own way of governing. Well, that's wrong. Hierarchy engenders pride and ego. 
Same as false humility. What works in Tulsa may not work in Paris. Let's not forget that Jesus and his church cross international boundaries. So my Catholic friend, here's your toolbox for evangelism. Natural reason, the Bible and the church. Natural reason says all social and legal institutions necessitate certain human boundaries and designated leadership. Religion is not exempt. The Bible, St. Peter, St. James, John, and Paul's letters show clear standards of jurisdiction and authority with ramifications if ignored. And the Catholic Church says St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair, the Holy Spirit was promised to lead the chat chair till Christ comes. That is safe and that is right. This is Steve Gleason with Catholic Questions Live. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at the uh, top of the next hour, for those of you that can join us, we'd love to have you. Rhonda Gruenwald from Vocation Ministry is going to be on with us to talk about the state of vocations in the country. And so that's, uh, that's coming up next hour. Join us for that. But joining us once again is Leticia Ramirez, mother of two Catholic priests, sister of a bishop. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the show. Uh, just before the break, I was asking you about that initial sort of feeling and, and uh, about what it was like when you discovered that, you, first, I guess it was your, your older son, who has been a priest now for, what, five years maybe? Uh, he just celebrated his sixth anniversary. Six years, yeah. And then... Now your second son was just ordained, praise be to God, and what those emotions were like. Did you, um, did you ever have a sense of like a, a sense of loss for grandchildren did that, or marriage, uh, uh, like a daughter-in-law? Did that ever cross your mind? Never. Praise be to God. Wow. It wasn't, that's never been an issue. I, I think it's kind of silly to, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, uh, because I think it's selfish, uh, you know. It, so well, I think that it, that's not really what's important. You know, ultimately, in the long, you know, in the long run, yeah, that's not important. You know, uh, the way I always thought about it was, I want the one thing God wants for my kids. Whatever that one thing is, that'll make them the most happy. That'll make exactly. me the most happy, fulfilling God's desire for their life. So, and uh, and I have as a practice, after Mass, uh, go I go to the foot of Our Lady, and I consecrate my children to her, and I give them to her after every single Mass, that uh, that they may be used to give her son greater glory. So whatever that is, right? Uh, whatever that <laughs> is. That's true. Is, is but, that, I mean, we do have grandchildren. Our daughter is married, and she has God. three boys. Oh, congratulations. Uh, so we have our grandchildren. They may not have the last name, and, you know, that's, Amen. that's not that important. <laughs> yeah. So we're very blessed. <laughs> so three more priests I'm hearing. <laughs> three more potential but priests. Yeah, we will, yeah, that's, you know. God is good. We never know. <laughs> now, what, uh, one of the other things I'm always fascinated by, and I just saw this, actually. There was an FSSP priest ordained just recently as well in May. And then there was a picture floating, or maybe this video floating around the internets of his father uh, you know, kissing his hands. You know, so there's this wonderful tradition of a priest who is freshly ordained, and his hands are consecrated for the work at the altar. 
And his dad was uh, kneeling and then kissing his hands, and his dad was, was crying. And it was, it was such a touching moment to see um, his son, the priest, embrace him. And I thought, what is that like for you when your sons were ordained? And there you were embracing them as father for the first time. What, what was that like? Well, I, I can tell you for sure that my husband and I went prepared with lots of cleaning <laughs> to the ordination, and uh, he sh he shed many, many tears. He was very, very emotional. I mean, we both were, but uh, there's something about a father and his son. It's very yeah. special. Yeah. Uh, and uh, definitely, you know, their anointed hands. And, you know, we were very anxious to get a blessing from him mm. right after his ordination. We really were so joyful to to get receive that blessing um and uh, another thing that we also received as parents and i it's it's like a it's also a catholic tradition is that at their first mass uh the mother receives the maniturgium that was used to wipe the uh their hands after they've been anointed and i received that from my son at his, uh, at his first mass and then my husband received the stole that he used to to hear his the first confessions the day he was ordained. Wow! Uh, so supposedly the story or the legend or the tradition is that we we are to be buried with that maniturgium or with the stole, and then we present that to our Lord. Uh, what yeah. beautiful! <laughs> it's your, your credentials, right? It's your your yes. resume. Yes. What have you done for there. me? <laughs> <laughs> what have you given to me? And I can say, it's well, uh, I give you my son. It's um, a, yeah, that's a wonderful tradition. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering, you obviously have, um, you obviously had vocations in your home, and um, and you come from well, you come from a large family. Um, what sort of advice would you give to to Catholic families today that uh, uh, have have boys in their home or or you know that have uh, that have women that might be called to a religious vocation? What sort of advice would you give them? Practical advice, everyday advice for them to start encouraging their maybe not encourage their children. I think that's the wrong word, and I think maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. But to get them thinking about these vocations. Uh, well, I think the First and foremost is uh, what you do in your home from the time they're tiny babies. Uh, you pray with your children, you pray for them, you pray over them, you bless them. And images in your home are so important. You know, I, you go in my living room, I have so many images of our Blessed Mother, and we have a little altar, and we have holy water. And so, you know, um, my grandchildren see that all the time. I mean, one time they were here and they're like, why do you have so many Jesuses? And, you know, we have a crucifix in every room. And so those images are so important for our children. Mm -hmm. uh, and to have a, a, a family prayer time, too, with your children. Teach them the rosary. Teach them, you know, the prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary. Teach them about the saints. Tell, you know, read the stories to them. So, you know, just kind of be a catechist. <laughs> Catechize mm -hmm. your children in your home. Uh, and, uh, and the, and, and model the, the love for our faith, you know, going to Mass, uh, receiving sacraments, all the things I've mentioned before. I think those are so important. And that's what we call the domestic church. You know, the, our, the church yeah. is right there in our home. So as parents, I think it's just to be mindful of that, we, that being a Catholic isn't just on Sundays. It's how we live our life from the moment we wake up until we go to bed. 
Amen. Yeah, and and you know, children really they they imitate their parents. So it's it's important for the parents to live out their faith in a very tangible way, in a visible way at the home. I just wanted to clarify something, you know, I, I, to go back to something you you mentioned uh, um in the first segment. Um when we talked about encouraging, you know, oftentimes we think we're we're encouragement is a good thing, but in this case you might for, like, kind of move your child in that direction, and it may not be their vocation. I actually have a family member who went into the priesthood, and um, encouraging is is a nice way to put it. Uh, you know, the the family was really pushing him towards it, and um, he ended up kind of being laicized. He wanted to be oh. married with children, and yeah. so yeah. I just wanted to get your 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 take on that. You know, when we say encouraging, maybe that's not the word we should use. Instead, it should be something else. What what do you think about that? I think it's the same thing. You know, with like when our daughter wants to get married, you know, we just say. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure this is what God is calling you to? So mm-hmm. it's it's got to be something that they prayed about and that you know that they really understand and know that that's the calling they're receiving from our Lord, not something that we're telling them to do. So that was something that we uh, as parents always were very mindful of, not pushing them toward any kind of a you know. Yeah. You know, you, you want to be a doctor, don't you? Or you want to be a lawyer, don't you? Um, so, I mean, we uh, we always supported them in any decisions that they made. I mean, uh, our oldest son is an engineer, and he practiced engineering for a few years before he entered the seminary. And uh, so, you know, we supported that. We never told him what he had to do. Mm. So I think it's important just to guide them, uh, as they are making these decisions, and you know, because that's our job as parents to guide them, yeah, uh, give them our wisdom. You know, what about, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> what about uh, in the uh, in the present difficulties that we we have to live through? There are scandals in the church that are absolutely rocking the church, the the body of Christ. Many people have been leaving the Catholic faith because of these scandals. Uh, there was a new report out this morning about uh, fresh scandals in, in Germany, for instance. What was that like from your perspective? Did you have any concern for them? And, you know, like, oh, boy, this is such a difficult time to be a Catholic priest. There's so much uh, going on that is, uh, that is heavy, weighty, difficult, so much scandal. Were, was there any concern for you, uh, for them, in that regard? Um, maybe a little concerned, but I think more than anything, I'm like, what a better time <laughs> to mm-hmm. be a priest. Uh, uh, well and I talk to them a lot about courage, you know, take courage, no matter what comes your way as a priest, uh, face it, face it and Amen. continue to be a holy, holy man yeah. and do what you know you have to do as a Catholic priest. And I will be praying for you. And, um, so uh, no, the, you know, I understand and I know the reality mm-hmm. of what's happening, but I just feel like they were called to be a priest yeah. at this time for a reason. You know, and one of the things I can speak uh, about the local community, because uh, I've been living here since uh, 2006, is uh, the, these younger priests, they, they're so joyful, very uh, fervent, zealous. Um, you know, many of them have a great love for the piety and traditional form of the, of, of uh, liturgy and the and the and the, the church itself, and, and they seemed like they were joyful in spite of 
the difficulties in the church. Like they wasn't going to get them down. And I was I've always been encouraged by that. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, as you were telling this, as you were saying that, Joe, I, I thought of a, a story that my son, my younger son just told me, I think it was, um, maybe it was right after his ordination or right before, uh, that he was in his cassock, he stopped at H-E-B to buy <laughs> some things for, oh, okay, so he was coming over to our house, we were going to have dinner together, and he stopped to buy something at the meat department, and he was in his cassock, and the guy behind the, the counter says, are you a Catholic priest? He said, I will be in a week. Amen. And he says, that means you can't get married or have children? And he's like, that's right. And he says, you go, you go, guy. <laughs> he gave him a fist pump. <laughs> and so I thought, what a wonderful thing to, you know, that witness of, uh, you know, yeah. being out there in the world. Exactly. Being in the world, but not of the world, and not being afraid to, yeah. not necessarily be afraid, but to be, to, to realize how important it is for people to see you as a priest. I see a lot of priests in airports that are wearing their clerics, and people go up to them and say, mm -hmm. can you hear my confession? And yeah. if they hadn't been wearing their clerics, they would not have known it was a Catholic priest. Right, which, so, is, which um, is why I'm always sad when a priest doesn't wear their clerics in public. <laughs> you know, They're missing yeah. a wonderful opportunity because they are consecrated exactly. and set apart for a reason. Praise be to God, Leticia Ramirez. God bless you and your husband for raising wonderful children and then being so brave and courageous as to give them to God for God's sole purpose for their life. God love you. Have a, Thank you. Have a great have a day. day. That is going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in hour number two, we'd love to have you. Rhonda Grunwald is going to be on talking about the state of vocations in our country. What's working, what's not. That's coming up. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Atheists have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge his existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So, is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. If everyone regularly went to confession, why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, You are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that He exists and is evil. You are free to say that He would like to exist if He could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or 
boil him to rags of metaphysics. And it is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. This is Melissa from St. Bartholomew and Katie, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Beyond with you, praise be to God. Good morning. We had a great conversation with Mrs. Leticia Ramirez in the last hour. If you missed it, you should go back and check out the podcast. She is the mother of two Catholic priests and the sister of a bishop. And um, praise be to God. I just what an what an interesting and fascinating insight into looking at the priesthood from the role of mom, giving her sons over to the church. What a beautiful thing. Mom and dad, for sure. I'm not just trying to discount dad. But, um, but there's a special connection between mom and, and child. And, um, and I loved her insight. It was wonderful. Praise be to God. So if you did miss that conversation, you weren't able to join us last hour, you can get the podcast on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play. You can find us on uh, Spotify. You can find us on the Apple iTunes Store as well, or wherever else you listen to podcasts, including our mobile app, which you can download right on your app store. Go to uh, your app store and to search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. When you download that free, you can listen to the live audio stream of your local GRN radio station, find your local contact information, programming, as well as go to the flyout for the podcast, and you'll find Catholic Drive Time towards the top there. And you can listen to the podcast that way. The show go, goes live on the podcast feed, I don't know, about an hour or so after the show goes off the air. Uh, but just if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you will find all that information. Praise be to God. Uh, good morning to you again, Rudy Carlos. Uh, how are you feeling any better? Good morning, Joe. I feel slightly mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. i don't know yesterday i slightly felt something better. in my lungs and i said you know what i better not go into the studio yeah i don't want to get these guys sick well you, you guys can... love catholic drive time so yeah. i wouldn't want that for you if we yeah. had to all I be see. out sick something in your lungs <laughs> had you considered that it might just be called air oxygen you know you come from california it's texas so we just we have clean oxygen here on you know unlike maybe what you're used to out in los angeles mm-hmm. I don't know. It's you called, know, the, the air oxygen. seems a lot cleaner is, in California. I, good luck. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, yeah, okay. If you say so. Speaking of which, uh, you know, this report out this morning that thousands of Californians are fleeing to Mexico. They'd rather live yeah. in Mexico than live in the United States, live in California in particular, due to the current state of affairs. You're from California. I mean, and you have relatives from Mexico. 
could be you an know easy, what's funny easy about sell that for you is, is my mom the re- i mentioned this yesterday my mom has property in mexico and that's yeah. one of the reasons she's kept it for so long mm-hmm. and I'm, as i mentioned yesterday it's a money hole you know nobody lives there in this property uh, the hurricanes come and it, she has to go once once every year to go clean the house and make sure oh, everything's really? all set nobody seals anything and that sort of thing yeah but uh, yeah that was that's always been the plan to retire and go to mexico cuz it's so much cheaper there than yeah. here but but uh, yeah. I don't know. Things are going to change now because she has a granddaughter. So isn't that funny how things, your priorities change in life once uh, once yeah. uh, you start having your kids? Praise be to God, a lot does change for sure. But I think it's just very telling. And then, of course, uh, waking up to this story out of the Rio Grande part of Texas of uh, that the first Republican has been uh, voted in to go to the House in over 150 years from that part of Texas. That is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. And uh, I'm told that uh, Republican Myra Flores, who just won the U.S. House seat from that part of Texas, is not only the first uh, Republican in 150 years, she's the first congresswoman born from born in Mexico, now will serve in the U.S. House. And I'm I'm also told I don't know if it's true. I'm also told she's a committed Catholic. So, Hmm. yeah, interesting. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yeah. So lots of stuff to uh, to pay attention to in the news today. Uh, anyway, we're going to jump onto a conversation here with uh, Miss Rhonda Gruenwald. She's she's with Vocation Ministry, and we were just wrapping up a great conversation with Leticia Ramirez about what it's like to be a mom of two priests. And the lady who keeps track of uh, vocations all across our country is Miss Rhonda Gruenwald. She joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Rhonda. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. We're glad you're on with us today. Uh, Leticia Ramirez, I'm sure you know who she is. She's got two uh, two incredible sons who are now Catholic priests in our neck of the woods anyway. Um, a wonderful story. Yeah, she, and she gives the workshops for us in Spanish. Whenever we go to a diocese that would like anything in Spanish, she comes with me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, very inspirational, especially the touching moments of you know, once once her sons become priests and, you know, just this first this first opportunity to get their blessing and just embrace them. I mean, I don't know. I just I get so sentimental and emotional, just yeah, choked up thinking about what that might be like for for the parents of priests. But let me ask you, what is the state of vocations in our country right now? Well, um I, you know, I don't want to be uh, doom and gloom here. I mean, I, 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 because I think there's reasons for hope around the country. We'll start like with the bad news first, pockets, then. Pockets of hope, but um, yeah, right now we only out of 177 dioceses, we have 13 that would be considered healthy for vocation. Thirteen. Um, Thirteen. Um, now, um, do you want me to list them for you? Yeah, thirteen. Go for it. Covington, Kentucky, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Lafayette, Louisiana, Lafayette, um, Lake Charles, Louisiana, mm-hmm. Lansing, Michigan, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, wow. Monterey, California, wow. Peoria, Illinois, okay. the Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, mm-hmm. Worcester, um, Massachusetts, and Youngstown, Ohio. Wow, Worcester, Massachusetts is on the board. I yeah didn't and, see that coming. So what? Uh, right? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, but what's what's good about the list is that there are dioceses all over the country. Mm-hmm. It's not just in one because a lot of people have the mistaken thought that because they hear the faith is alive in in the South, right? 
that the faith is alive in the South. Or this is what I hear when I travel the country and I go north. They go, oh yeah, but you're from the South. And people are, you know, they're. And, 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 it makes it okay. They really have that. Well, they just think they hear that the churches are full, which, and I go, well, in general, they are. And, yeah. you know, that there are a lot of people, you know, on waiting lists to get into Catholic schools. And, yeah, and that is true. But, th- but there was um, not one diocese in Texas on that list. You know what I'm right. saying? I say, yeah. you know, um, we have a lot of work to do. And um, I think that some of the things, I mean, some of the places do have more uh, traditional bishops, um, and that is something that people talk about a lot is that from the list that they say that, um, well, these bishops are, you know, leading their people in such a way that they're responding to the call. Um, and there's some, some validity to that for sure. Um, well, let me ask you before we get to the, like yeah. the sort of the, the stuff that we can do, uh, let me just ask you, what are the causes to, uh, why these, the vast majority. So out of 170 said yeah. only 13, are surviving this so that means the vast majority of the church is dying on the vine here so what what has caused that why are there no vocations in the vast majority enough to sustain why aren't there vocations there well i think that we have been trying to do the same thing over and over again in the church for vocations and how to reach people and uh, for the longest time see nothing needed to be done for vocations hmm. right i mean they, it literally wiped like they were falling from trees we know that's not the case but that's what it was like in the fact that we had such a culture of vocations in the catholic church in the united states and the the fact that most families had an uncle who was a priest or a sister who was an aunt they they actually knew this and they had dinner with a priest and there were so many priests at the turn of the uh, early 1900s, that a, a new priest in Boston could only pray to one day be a pastor. Yeah. Mm. One day, possibly, they could be a pastor. Hmm. And here we are now with, they're fortunate if they get three, four years as a parochial vicar before they become a pastor. Um, so, so I'm just saying that they didn't have to do much. They, the priests were coming the new priests were coming, the men were entering seminary, and I have to say that there were some things that were wrong about this, in the fact that um, then once we got into uh, 50s, 60s, uh, there wasn't enough formation, seminary formation, that was not, it was not up to par, it's definitely not what it is today. Um, also, the, if you wanted, if you felt God was calling you to be a priest, you would say, you know, I think God's calling me to priest, and they'd be like, okay, sign here, you're in. Like, there was not, there. I mean, that's just literally, that's, you, there you was got a pulse? Come on by! <laughs> and so, you're in. so that's, and that's where then we lead to problems, right? We can, if you understand that, you can see how that led to men being priests who were not happy in the priesthood, who were not formed properly, who were not vetted properly, and then you see what we got from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that, that's very clear then. Now, that's not the case. Man, if a young man wants to enter seminary, they're going through major scrutiny, a lot of psychological tests, all the things. There are people at the formators, 
seminaries have gone through complete overhaul. Anyway, I just I, I think that that we are at the moment trying to to fix some of the ills that came from poor formation mm. and lack of scrutiny. Um, so, so, that, but there are so many issues. I mean, we could talk about the breakdown of the family, lack of fathers um, uh, in in a person's life. You know, if they if for example, I mean, this was my own issue, Joe. I mean, I, I, you know, I came from a broken home. I had a, t- a really bad relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. So, but of course, I wasn't even Christian at that point, right? I, I became Catholic later in life. Um, but then when I did become Catholic and I was told I was supposed to have a relationship with God the Father, mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm okay with this, with Jesus. Right. I can, I can get in, get, get on board with that one. But God the Father, that's a hard one for me. So, um, if you don't have a father in your life, a, a positive father figure, then your faith life is harder. All the things are harder. And then becoming a spiritual father, if you didn't have a role model as a father, then you're expected to be a spiritual father to thousands or hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands. I mean, yeah. anyway, there's just so many challenges right now with society in general telling us that we shouldn't be doing this. Right. That's what, so when I was listening to that interview you did with Leticia, and you were asking her, was it hard for her knowing the ills and what's going on, the scandals and all the things? And I say, you know what? The men right now, they know exactly what they're going into. They are literally like the firemen. They see the houses on fire. They are rushing in to wow. save it. And, so, and that's who we need. Yeah. That's who we need to say yes right now. And so, um, you know, right now we've got 90% of the newly ordained, that's the 2022 uh, uh, study, 90% of the men who are being ordained this summer said they were encouraged by a priest, a family member, or a parishioner. Be that encouragement to these young men that you you see something in them. They're prayerful. Go up to them. Ask them if they have ever thought about being a priest. Tell them you're going to pray for them and that God has big plans for for them. Uh, we need to create a culture again of vocations at our parishes um, and that will spill over into family life. Yeah, amen. We're uh, getting down to a couple minutes here with uh, Rhonda Grunewald, vocationministry.com is her website. That's vocationministry.com. So about uh, about a minute and a half here to go. What's the best, th- what what can we do that will impact? I, I heard altar server it has a dramatic impact on the priesthood. Yes. Sure. Yeah, because we have three quarters of uh, the new, uh, newly ordained year after year say they were altar servers. So lifting up altar servers, uh, affirming them. If you want to get a strong altar server program, maybe a hierarchical program where they're having to learn certain things and then they get to this level and this level, that seems to be way more helpful. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to advocate boy versus girl altar servers. I will just tell you that the, the girl altar servers, it doesn't seem to mean as much in their answering the call to religious life with only 22% of the newly professed saying that they were altar servers, but three quarters of the boys mm. saying they were altar servers. So I just kind of let the stats stand for themselves in that realm. Um, I've got resources at vocationministry.com. If somebody wants to like enhance their altar server program, 
under resources, they'll find sure. that. Um, well, and so, yeah, altar servers and just get, again, encouraging and praying for vocation. Yeah, amen to that. I, I won't make you make a decision there, Rhonda. I'll say it. Yeah, male-only altar servers has a dramatic impact on men, uh, little boys, becoming men who consider the priesthood. So it has an impact on the whole community and on those young men. So consider that today. Praise be to God. All right, go to her website and uh, check out the uh, resources there, vocationministry.com. Share that with your, your parishes as well. That might be a great resource to help improve the vocation culture in your parish. Rhonda Grunewald, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God bless you too, Jeff. All right, praise be to God. That is going to... Uh, do it for our guest segment, which means we're going to go into the game show next. So if you would like to win prizes, give us a call right now, 877-757-9424. Call right now. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades... But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time in those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. I once had a gentleman come up to me and say he didn't think the principle of non-contradiction was true. That perhaps something could be and not be in the same respect at the same place and time. Now, skepticism doesn't get any more radical than this. The principle of non-contradiction is the principle upon which all human knowledge is based. So, how do we defend it? It's pretty simple. A skeptic can only speak against the principle if his words have the intended meaning and not the opposite. For example, if a skeptic says the principle is false, well, then he must intend the statement to mean what it expresses and not the opposite, namely, the principle is true. But this presupposes the principle and thus undermines his attempt to deny it. So a skeptic can't deny the principle of non-contradiction without ending in self-defeat. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show that has uh, secrets and agendas. Uh, but what I need most, more than just telling you all of my secrets and agendas that you will probably tell the whole world instead of keeping it just between us, is I need a phone call. So if you would like to be our contestant, possibly win some cool prizes, and you don't need to know the answers to win the game. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant. 
at 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca is standing by to take your phone call right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. All right, uh, there are a few things uh, that we like to do here. Secrets, as I say, but you do need to keep them just between us. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. And our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us. They, uh, they, they have a good time. And we appreciate that, I think, most. But, of course... We give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. And if you're new here, let me just explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions right in front of me, but we don't ask the caller the question, so they don't need to know. They could not know and still win the game because I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? One small step for man, one giant leap for the sacred heart of our blessed Lord Jesus. Now, remember when we went to the moon, I'm told we got there with just a calculator somehow. I don't know how that's possible. But that was cool. But you know what would be even cooler? is if you took a stake of land mm-hmm. and claimed it for the Sacred Heart of our Blessed Lord Jesus Whoa. in your neighborhood. That's now, cool. Grazia Design Co. was founded in 2018 by Stephanie Roberts in pursuit of a lifelong dream of running her own business and creating art for the glory of God. On her site, you'll find everything you need from liturgical living, from amazing Catholic stationery to home and kitchen items. And this week, Stephanie has offered a Sacred Heart lawn flag and $20 as a gift card for our winner. Please check out her website at graziadesignco.com and show her some love. That's graziadesignco.com. I'm going to spell it out for you. G-R-A-T-I-A designco.com. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much, graziadesignco.com, for your generous gift, allowing us to give out cool prizes on the show. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. A good morning to you, Alan Smith. Hey, good morning. From the great white north uh, of our friends from Canada, it's good to hear your voice again, Alan. How have you been? We're good. We're good. It's uh, only 60 degrees here right now this morning. And, um, of course, it's a long-distance uh, call, by the way. I know. Yeah, we're, we're in our shorts, but um, it's, it's 60 degrees. Come on now. How much firewood have you burned so far today? I mean, I know can, Canadians, they, they just they got to keep that fire stoked all year long. So be honest. Is it a quarter wood? I mean, how much wood uh, are you burning these days? Yeah, we, 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 we're... We're just burning the twigs and the grass, the, the grass that came up. Um, you know, that, that dead grass when the snow melts, then you just grab it and round it up, and we burn that. So Praise be um, to God. No, we're, we're doing good. We're doing good. Thanks By the way, um, if you don't know, Alan, Alan has a, uh, been a guest on our program on a number of occasions, also a contestant on the show, which we're about to play, but he's also the editor of these books that Sophie Institute Press publishes on Fulton Sheen. By the way, his book on the Declaration is just amazing. Right, independence. I just love it. I'm really enjoying that. We're going to have to have you on soon to talk about that in greater detail. But, Alan, are you ready to play the game, sir? I'm ready. Let's, I'm ready. Let's do this. 
Have you played with Rudy, by the way? Have you played while Rudy's been on? Yeah. You have. Yeah, I played with Rudy. Okay. Uh, no one trusts him for some reason. I, I don't, don't know. know why. I, yeah. I mean, Adrian, it makes sense. But Rudy, come on. Look <laughs> at the guy. He's like the, the face, the epitome of trustworthiness. Although he has no tie on today. So I'm just putting mm. is he, putting that out yeah. there. No time. Yeah. He left it at home. Yeah, he left it at home. <laughs> he left it at home. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Rudy, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready, sir? I am so ready. Team Rudy in the house. My adoring fans, even literally in, my in the own house. Home. Salmon. He's wearing he's wearing the salmon uh, today. The, the shirt is salmon in color. It's actually a trout shirt. But but no, is it an Atlantic trout? I mean, what are we talking about here? Pacific Northwest trout, trout or rain? Okay, I see rainbow trout. All right, and uh, no tie. So, uh, Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of the poor? Yes. Okay. So, if you saw that wonderful documentary, The Reluctant Saint, yes. you'll know that oh. it's Saint Joseph of Cupertino. Giuseppe, because oh. he's so poor. You know, he gets all his stuff stolen all the time. <laughs> I love that yeah. film. It's so good. Giuseppe. I love it. All right, so St. <laughs> Joseph of Cupertino, I'm having a feeling there that you're just doing a little bit of uh, you know, California bias going down. But we'll ask Adrian for a second opinion. Adrian, can you tell me who is the patron saint of the poor? Yes, well, there are many, many saints of the poor who are patrons of the poor. Are there? But there are two in particular mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. of significance. Really? And that would be St. Lawrence oh. and St. Anthony of Padua. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we got two for one on that special. Get a twofer. Got a twofer. Okay. Well, Alan, is it, as uh, Adrian says, St. Lawrence or St. Anthony of Padua? Or is it, as Rudy seems to indicate, St. Joseph of Cupertino? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Alan Smith, what say you? I'm feeling kind of sorry for Rudy, so I, I think because he's poor, he identifies. He's probably <laughs> prayed to the saint of a lot, so I'll go with Rudy on this uh, one. Ah, well, Rudy, he says he feels sorry for you. <laughs> oh. So sorry, Alan. Saint Joseph Cupertino was my buddy in college. He was the patron saint of uh, students and poor test yeah. takers. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, yeah. Saint Lawrence and Saint Anthony is the correct answer. Uh, but don't fear. This next one, super easy, Alan. You got this right. one. You got this one. Here we go. Uh-oh. Uh, back to Adrian. Adrian? That's me. Don't let us down. I will do my best, too. Small candles in receptacles of glass placed before an altar, shrine, or statue are mm. called what? Yes. I love these. These are in every church that you've ever been to, at least a Catholic church. <laughs> Probably not uh, other churches. But in Catholic churches, every church you go to, you'll uh -huh. see them yeah. right there, right. beneath okay. the statue, yeah. or beneath the shrine, beneath the stained glass, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a votive or a vigil candle. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that before. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Votive or vigil, you say? Very true. Okay. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, small candles, un poquito... In receptacles of glass placed before an altar, shrine, or a statue are called what? Okay, those are called a fire hazard. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, they're called memorares. <laughs> memorares, you say? Memorares, yeah. They're I, burning in memory uh, of that little prayer that you're, see, you're presenting before the feet of the saint or... Did not our bless hearts burn before the Lord? Okay, I, I seem to remember that somewhere. Okay, Alan, is it a memorare, as Rudy says, or is it a votive or vigil candle, as Adrian's thinks? Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, who's right, who's wrong? Alan, what say you? Well, I'll have to go with Adrian on this one. Just got to, right? Like, 
your choices are limited well, here. You have no choice in the matter. Your hands are tied. Don't feel guilty. You have to because I'm right. Don't feel guilty, Alan. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we have to go with Adrian. Just is what it is. All right. Here we go. Uh, This is timely, this next question. Very timely. Wow. It's like someone picked it. It's timely. I'm just going to... That's the hint. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? What feast is also known... As the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament. Ah, yes. A great feast. Very timely, you know, to, to bring this up. It's Corpus Christi. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I seem to think that that's something there. Okay. Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, you say? The, all right. Let's just see what uh, Let's see what liturgical expert Fonseca has to say, though. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what feast is also known as the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament? Yes, the feast that's also known as the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament is known as the Sanguinis Christi. I'm sorry, what? Is the Sanguis Christi. <laughs> Got it. The Sanguinis Christi. Sanguis. Sanguis. Sanguis? Sanguis. 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 Okay, there we go. Alan, is it Sanguis Christi, as Adrian says, or is it Corpus Christi, as Rudy seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Alan Smith from the Great White North. What say you? My heart is in Texas, so i got to go with Corpus Christi. Amen. And fun fact, St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas wrote the Mass of Corpus Christi. Yes, praise be to God. We'll talk more about that tomorrow on the show, but uh, congratulations, Alan. You're in for two. Not bad, two out of three. Not bad. That seems to be a a country song, wasn't it? Two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) Not bad, Alan. Yeah, we're going to get you on soon, Alan, to have you talk about your books, but God bless you. Thanks for having a laugh with us. Thanks, Joe. Praise God. Sanguis, by the way, the blood of Christ, so not a bad choice. Not sangreen? No. Not soiling green either. Sanguis. Cover us, Lord Jesus, in your precious and holy blood. Hey, we're going to go to the after show. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Share us with a friend or hang out with us online. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today is the 11th week of the year, Wednesday. We offer up this Holy Sacrifice for all of our online viewers and all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God, Father, grace and glory, thy children bring to thee. Thy grace and peace to mankind shall now.
Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess, Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. God of strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands we may please you by a resolve in our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, A reading from the second book of Kings. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind, he and Elisha were on their way from Gilgag. Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here. The Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Elisha replied, And so the two went on together. Fifty of the Gil prophets followed, and when the two stopped at the Jordan, they stood facing them at a distance. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, which divided, and both crossed over a dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask for whatever I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha answered, May I receive double portion of your spirit. You have asked something that is not easy, Elijah said. Still, if you see me taken up from you, your wish will be granted. Otherwise, not. As they walked on conversing, a flaming chariot and flaming horses came between them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. When when Elisha saw it happen, he cried out, My father, my father, Israel's chariots and drivers. But when he could no longer see him, Elisha gripped his own garment and tore it in two. Then he picked up Elijah's mantle that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan, wielding the mantle that had fallen from Elijah. Elisha struck the water in his turn and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When Elisha struck the water, it divided and he crossed over. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. 
Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. How great is the goodness, O Lord, which you have in store for those who fear you, and which, toward those who take refuge in you, you show the sight of the children of men. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. You hide them in the shelter of your presence from the plottings of men. You screen them with your abode from the strife of tongues. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Love the Lord, all you faithful ones. The Lord keeps those who are constant, but who, but more than requites those who act proudly. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praises of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance, so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not appear to others to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden, and your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. The Gospel of the Lord. Is it Ash Wednesday? Well, it's, it's the same reading, exactly the same reading of Ash Wednesday, because this is a perfect recipe for repentance. Uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, Jesus gave us, not randomly, um, you know, like his favorite three, these were specifically given to us because they address specific wounds. In the first, first epistle of the Apostle John, uh, chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he talks about the concupiscence that, that we have, uh, the pride of life, the uh, pride of the eyes or, or greed, and the, the lust of the flesh. Pride, lust, and greed are the, the basics uh, concupiscence or tendencies that we have still that are fomus peccatum, the, the 
remains of original sin that we have to deal with. And prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the three things that Jesus gave us to remedy those. If you're really repenting, if you're really turning toward uh, God, you are going to have these three, and you can't replace one with the other. You can't just pray, you can't just do almsgiving, and you can't only fast. You need to do all three of these together. And you probably, any, anyone who is really following the Holy Spirit will end up doing them. Um, and the, the, the main thing that Jesus is pointing out here is that you should do them without vanity, without pride. St. John of the Cross loves this topic when he gets into it. He says that over and over again in many places, he says that there's a secret kind of pride that's generated when even if it's you, and nobody else knows, but you yourself or have this secret intention Oh, I'm I'm fasting in this special way. I'm a superior being than other people. I'm so much more elite than them. Those fools aren't praying like I am. Or you know, there's a there's a certain kind of pride and so that's why Saint John of the Cross says that obedience is the greatest virtue that the devil cannot imitate he can't imitate that virtue. He can imitate all sorts of other things and appear humble and, and uh appear loving appear kind in, in a demonic way, but he cannot imitate obedience. And that's why prayer, fasting, almsgiving also should be following your state in life. And why is it now, the 11th week of the year and Wednesday that this comes, not on Ash Wednesday? Well, because this really should be an ordinary thing. It shouldn't, we shouldn't have to wait till Lent to fast. Every Friday of the year is still a day of a penitential day. And, uh, you know, a lot of places like our the household here at Our Lady of Corpus Christi, we, we don't eat meat on Friday. Um, but, you know, like the, that's an option according to the USCCB. That, you know, you don't, you don't have to do that, but you have to do some other sacrifice if you don't do that. And uh, the reason for that is that we, we have this flesh. It's not going to take a break, and neither can we when we can't be... We can't take a break from that. The other thing that's interesting about these, and it's pitted against this, this reading with Elijah and the mantle, is the prophetic value of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Because the prophetic value is always associated with the body. The body is a, is a prophetic value. It, first of all, your body speaks of uh, the, the, the uniqueness being made in the image and likeness of God. And so the body itself has a prophetic value. And when you orient your body towards God, even people that you see and experience just a, a very brief witness, say you're going to a gas station or something, you will be walking as one who is walking in grace. Just like Elijah's walking with his mantle, you will be walking with the mantle of the Holy Spirit. And that has power to touch other people and to influence them for the good. So let us ask uh, our Blessed Mother Mary, good Saint Joseph, for this grace to truly repent and to, to live a, a, a program of life that is consistent, uh, that, that we can constantly repent and believe in the gospel. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth the face of Jesus Christ faithfully to the nations for a harvest of holiness and salvation. For this we pray to the Lord.
we pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may be leaders in repentance. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may respond to Jesus in his disguise of human misery. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for a renewal of repentance and prayer in the church. We pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy and living name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. God, who in the offerings presented here provide for the twofold needs of human nature, nourishing us with food and renewing us with your sacrament, grant, we pray, that the sustenance they provide may not fail us in body or in spirit. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Santo Vos, Santo Vos, Santos Dominus Deus Sabaho, Lani Sun Gloria Tuva, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather people to yourself. 
so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Recepti salutari vos moniti, et divini institutioni formati, ad ehemus dicere, 
Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et emite nobis de vita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and saved from all distress, as we await to the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant your peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you all. On you stay, qui tolis mundi, misere Agnus Dei, vitonis peccata hundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, vitonis peccata hundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. one thing I ask of the Lord, only this do I seek, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
this reception of your holy communion, O Lord, foreshadows the union of the faithful in you. So may it bring about unity in our church through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy, Immaculate Virgin Mary, You are the Mother of God Himself. You are the Queen of all creation. You are the keeper of heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession and may your favor never fail us. Our Lady The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, 
And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.